0: support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu slash certificate to learn more.
1: Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just
2: Hello, you're listening to MindShift, the podcast from KQED about the future of learning and what it means for our kids. I'm Katrina Schwartz. And I'm Ki Sung. Today, Katrina has a story about recognizing when something is not working and doing something different, even when it's really hard. Here's how a lot of schools do discipline. It's not that different from how we've been doing it for decades. Schools tell students exactly how they can act and dress, enforcing a strict code of rules. If students deviate from these rules, they're sent out of class, given detention, and sometimes suspended or expelled.
3: You do something, even this last thing, you can't even blink. They will literally give you just a detention. They don't even let you explain yourself. How does that feel? Actually, feel, it feels pretty frustrating. One time it was a lockdown drill, and I moved my leg under the desk, and it accidentally pushed my desk. She gave me a detention.
2: This is Zachariah Parse. He doesn't attend the school where this happened anymore.
3: That school was a mess, actually.
2: Zachariah switched to KIPP Summit Academy near Oakland, California, to finish out his seventh grade year. KIPP is a pretty big name in the charter school movement. Over the past 20 years, it's become known for getting low-income kids into college. But many of its schools have done this by using strict and often controversial practices. The Bay Area KIPP school where Zachariah goes now is different. That's why we're here. Because when a giant network like KIPP considers changing course, it's a tip that there could be a bigger shift afoot in school discipline.
4: Time to start question three, if you have not done so already. Question three, go ahead.
2: We're in a classroom at Zacharias KIPP School. There are groups of about 10 seventh graders sitting in a circle, fidgeting a little. One student, Melissa Saturnino, has volunteered to lead the discussion, which is really brave. This is middle school, after all.
3: For number three, have you ever had a friendship and why? How did you know that it had ended?
2: You can hear Melissa and the other students sharing personal experiences related to a set of scripted questions from their teacher. One seventh grade theme is friendship. It's a hot one at this age when things tend to blow up. I had a friendship in
3: because his mother would not allow him to see me anymore because his mother was very prejudiced. About black people.
2: The prompts ask kids to reflect on how their relationships are changing. They gently nudge kids to try and understand themselves, taking baby steps towards something many people find difficult: self-reflection.
3: I had a friendship end because we fought
2: and, like, we didn't trust each other anymore. This circle, this intimate talk, this moment to stop and reflect, teaching kids how to do this. That's what this Bay Area KIPP school has become known for within the network. This stuff isn't easy for anyone, but school staff are betting these skills will pay off down the road. Almost all these 12 and 13 year olds had already experienced the end of a friendship. Sometimes the end came because of a painful experience, like a racist comment. Often kids said friendships ended because their lives had changed. They moved or changed schools and didn't get to see the same kids anymore. Kids really have to open up with each other. Right, Melissa?
3: Well, has anyone wanted to be friends with you that you didn't connect with? How did you deal with that?
2: What they're talking about here, the wonderful and difficult parts of friendship, is a theme throughout the 7th grade curriculum. Kids will get it in literature discussions. They'll get it when working on science labs in groups. Teachers bring it up every chance they get. Then there's this. Every Wednesday morning, all 105 7th graders troop into the largest space in the school, the music room for what they call team and family time.
4: I want you to think about one word, just one word from your conversation, and you're gonna go around and share that The teachers word.
2: are dedicating precious instruction time to simply letting kids appreciate one another.
4: I wanna
3: shout out Ethan, because like, he's part of my science group with me,
0: Ethan, and Jonathan. And me and Jonathan like, get off task, and Ethan always brings it back
3: for us.
2: And to deeper conversations in small groups about some of the difficult social aspects of middle school. They want to prevent things from getting out of hand. And
4: a lot of what feels like bullying starts with relationships that were once really, really positive and how that changes as their identities change.
2: Teacher Meg Roberto is like a tween whisperer. She gets what her seventh graders are going through and she knows they won't trust her unless she shares her own experiences with them too like when her own adult friends hurt her feelings.
4: They would say that they were going to come and hang out with me, but they would say they were sick, and then they would be hanging out with somebody else. And that made me feel really like lonely and
2: hurt. Roberto's easing students into this tricky reflection on how to be a good friend. But by the end, she hopes they have some emotional tools to rely on if any drama surfaces with friends.
4: There's going to be a second part that kind of dives back into those experiences and how do we respond to friendships, and how do we help other people through their friendships?
2: You have to do this unreserved, messy stuff in circles or small groups to change the way kids and teachers relate to each other. Teachers at KIPP Summit have learned it doesn't work to start when there's a crisis going on. Kids need a foundation of emotional skills. That way, when conflicts arise, they have the language and the self-awareness to handle themselves. KIPP is rewarding a more nuanced kind of self-control here, not just a child's ability to follow rules.
4: Share a word, everybody snaps.
2: Snapping, the classic Kip way of expressing approval.
5: Hey.
2: This school didn't have to do all this. They were doing fine academically. Families wanted to go to the school, but in the spirit of self-reflection, school leaders here knew they could do better. I saw the same kids in detention every day, and I put them there, and it wasn't working. That's Director of School Culture for Kip Bay Area Rick Zappa, no relation to Frank Zappa. Zappa's got credibility with teachers, in part because he started in the classroom at Summit Academy.
5: I came as a music teacher and history teacher for eighth grade.
2: Eventually he became the principal, but Zappa didn't want to rely on the old KIPP playbook. He disliked the practice of shaming kids publicly for things like incomplete homework, being out of uniform, or even disrespectful comments. Under the old ways, those kids had to eat lunch sitting on the floor in the hallway while their classmates ate in the cafeteria.
5: I really felt like I wasn't serving these students who had other needs and, and needed a different kind of support.
2: Over several years, Zappa began to push his staff to move away from rule-based discipline to something based on relationships. It wasn't easy, in part because teachers didn't know what teaching this way looked like.
5: The way most of us grew up in education was that the teacher knew everything, the student knew nothing. The teacher gave directions, the student followed directions. The teacher talked, the student listened.
2: What might have worked for Zappa's generation isn't working for this one. He needed to make students partners.
5: If you respond to a student, you have to do A, B, and C because that's what it says in our rule book. That means nothing. But if you explain why we're doing that, it makes more sense and they can internalize it and and reflect on their own behavior and in essence own their behavior. And that's
2: the goal. No matter how much proactive culture building the adults in the building preach, there are still going to be conflicts, like this one.
3: This kid always used to mess with me, let's say, and then I took it in my own hands to deal with it.
2: This is Zachariah again.
3: I hit him. I got almost got in a fight.
2: Zachariah didn't want to fight all the time, and he could see the situation wasn't going to get any better. So he did something that might seem unlike a middle school boy, he convinced the other kid that they should go and ask a teacher for help, together. I actually
3: felt guilty. I hit him.
2: Right there, in the moment, the two boys went to find the teacher in charge of restorative practices. Each boy stated where he was coming from and why he acted the way he did. And then they came up with some solutions. But that wasn't the end of it.
3: It's just not like, you hit him, talk, get away, happy, yippee! No. I got ISS. What's that? In-school suspension.
2: One of the biggest misperceptions about this less traditional form of discipline is that there aren't any consequences.
3: You don't just do something and get away with it. You always have to have a consequence for
5: something. It's not even so much about the consequence. It's the communication around the
2: consequence. Rick Zappa has been working with KIPP schools across the country to make this change. He's one of many educators concerned that strict discipline isn't helping students build interpersonal skills. He believes self-reflection is critical for all of us when confronted with difficult people or situations. And kids should have a chance to practice this skill in the relative safety of school.
5: The eye for an eye kind of mentality is is what plays out socially and, and in our culture. I mean, who among us hasn't messed up? But to be punished for it and then there to be no conversation or reflection doesn't seem like we're moving forward.
2: KIPP Summit Academy has been using this restorative approach to discipline for seven years now. They've got a pretty good system going. The changes to school culture have permeated everything from curriculum to grading practices. And they're seeing results.
5: The academics went sky high. It became one of the top schools in the state of California, and very competitive with the affluent Piedmont schools.
2: There's an extra sweetness to this, because Zappa knows his students face much more adversity than their more affluent peers. Strong academics are part of it, but Zappa's got a bigger goal.
5: I'm interested in students feeling successful, having strong relationships, being good people and good citizens, and and having a life that makes them happy.
2: These middle schoolers aren't just learning not to fight or bully. They're practicing fundamental human skills, like deep listening. They're learning how to see a situation from another person's perspective, to be empathetic, even when they feel wronged, to talk through problems that seem like they have no beginning or end. And they're learning to forgive. This isn't just about discipline. This is about how to get through life, Coming up after the break, we take you to a KIPP high school across the bay in San Francisco to learn how a school actually makes this tough transition. Stay with us. All over the country.
4: We need to improve reading in Wisconsin.
5: Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the
2: nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Soul the Story investigates how teaching
5: kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul the Story are available now.
0: Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond
2: Rick Zappa is the guru of restorative practices for Bay Area KIPP schools. I met up with him at KIPP San Francisco College Prep. It's a high school in the Bayview neighborhood, perched on top of one of the city's many hills. We're walking to a sophomore advisory meeting where students are sitting in a circle sharing the best and worst parts of their week. It sounds pretty mundane, but it's more important than you might think. I was say my
3: low is I keep getting myself injured during practices. And then my high would be free food. And then I got, like, I guess the
1: second highest on the algebra test. Mm. Second? Even better.
2: (laughs) Zappa says as boring as it sounds, this is how relationships form. And that makes this an important first step.
5: That's the start. It's very superficial, right? It's kind of like um, the fact that they're having these proactive circles as opposed to, the reactive ones. You can't do the reactive ones if you don't have these relationship types of circles first.
2: It takes a lot to shift the mindsets of teachers and students who are used to a system of punishment and rewards. If 80% of us meet our goals, then I'll throw you guys a pizza party. Lily Pineda Martinez is dangling a pizza party in front of students. That's a big red flag for Zappa, who's observing from the back. When we're out in the hallway, he explains.
5: Watching that circle. (laughs) and seeing, oh, okay, I see where all the the spots are.
2: Zappa can clearly see that Pineta Martinez cares a lot about her students. But when one student said his history class wasn't doing anything for Black History Month, she didn't probe any deeper. Zappa says that was a missed opportunity. And there was a lot of talk about rewards for good grades, for good test scores, for behaviors. When you threaten kids with grades, the message that you're sending
5: are numerous. One is I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough. Other kids get to go so I must be bad. I mean, you internalize all of
2: that. Zappa can see all the ways this advisory could be better. But he also empathizes with how difficult transitioning away from traditional discipline can be. He's been there.
5: That's because they're in that early stage.
2: The pressure to move the school beyond the first stage sits squarely on the shoulders of Dr. Savinia Woodyard, who helped open this school four years ago. She's taking over its principal this year.
0: I am by far like the largest disciplinarian in this school, and like kids know for a fact if you are out of uniform, I'm going to call you on it.
2: This school used to run on a strict merit and demerit system, and in some ways, it's been hard to let go of the old discipline structure the life skills that have always been part of the KIPP playbook, like punctuality and dress code, are still enforced. But Woodyard and her staff are beginning to see that those things are nowhere near enough.
0: Naturally, as human beings, we want to have an app, like do something and then have an absolute resolution to it. But that is not always the way that the the real world works. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that we are at least giving our students the skills to address the problem.
2: So when kids make mistakes, and they will... How can teachers use those situations to build relationships instead of just doling out a punishment? Conflicts create emotionally charged, powerful moments. And that's exactly when students need to practice asking for help or seeking guidance from a mentor, devising a plan to correct course. These are chances to practice responding to the rough spots, which will help when it comes to surviving college too. They have to come face to face
0: with, with what happened and, and, and talk through it. It is an adult skill that, you know, can be really tough for some adults, but especially if you're 14 and 15 years old.
2: She says often kids would rather take a detention than have these conversations. But we want to make sure that we're pushing that
0: skill for our kids because that, that is an essential life skill.
2: Woodyard didn't always feel this way. It took her a little time to come around the idea of restorative practices, largely because she likes things black and white. And the ambiguity of conflict resolution felt uncomfortable.
0: There's a little bit of gray. It is messy. It takes time. You might not always get to a resolution within one conversation. Um, sometimes you have to like, revisit it.
2: In the school's second year, Woodyard was still caught between traditional discipline and restorative practices when a situation with a student forced her hand.
0: Two girls were consistently getting into conflict with one another, um, and it was just kind of,
2: it was escalating. Woodyard suggested I talk with one of the girls. Jermisha Robinson was struggling her sophomore year. Was there anything happening for you in your own life that kind of made you unhappy that year?
3: (sighs) Like, okay, my ninth grade year, like the end of ninth grade year, I lost my mom and my little brother. So it was like... I didn't know what to do, so I was just like taking my anger out on everybody else. And how
2: are you doing with it now?
3: I'm living. I still like, it's still like every time I think about it, it's just like, you know, I break down, but it's like,
2: I'll live. Woodyard knew Dremisha was struggling, but she still needed her to figure out a way to behave in school. This is when Woodyard took the plunge into restorative practices. She remembers the exact moment it felt like they made a breakthrough. It was during a big restorative circle with members of both girls' families.
0: The other student was able to have a, like, a moment where she said... I, I can only imagine how you feel right now, not having your mom with you, she said, when I was in... The, the student
2: Jermisha had been fighting mom, with I shared that she'd been separated from her mom for several months in eighth grade. She remembered how lonely and sad that made her feel.
0: So I feel for you, and I can understand how that might make you want to act out and make you be angry. And that shift, like everyone in the circle started crying. It just shifted
3: everything.
2: When I talked with Jermesha, she was a senior and says taking part in those circles helped her find ways to control her anger.
3: I grew out of it. I knew, like, I know how to handle situations better than what I would have done in sophomore year, like fighting.
2: And she says having an advisory where she can talk about her feelings helps too. Everything we say in an
3: advisory doesn't go out the room, so it's like, I feel safe in there.
2: More KIPP schools across the country are beginning to change their discipline policies. Outside Oakland, where Zappa kicked it off, he's cautioning these newcomers that getting all the pieces in place takes time. But he's convinced for kids like Jermisha Robinson, this change will have long-term positive results. In a sense, the long-term goals are really what's at stake here. KIPP has done a good job of preparing students academically for college. Nationally, about 80% of KIPP students enroll after high school. But the network has also taken an honest look at what happens to their students once they get to college. And that picture is bleaker. Fewer than half KIPP grads who enroll in college earn a four-year degree. That's far better than the national average for low-income students, but the network is still trying to improve. KIPP graduates drop out for the same reasons that affect many first-generation college students.
5: We interviewed a lot of these students. Some of the things that they said was, you know, life happens. They, they don't know how to navigate bursar. They go to small liberal arts colleges where kids don't look like them. Um, they feel isolated. Those are all reasons that we've heard.
2: That's Rick Zappa again. And while it's hard to draw a direct correlation, this is where restorative practices could help. School leaders within the KIPP network, and outside of it, are starting to see it as part of their mission to foster the social and emotional skills that could help students be more resilient in those situations.
5: I want to talk to a student when they're 24 years old. For me, that, that's, that would be the test to see, um, I, I think it's hard right now to, to see the benefits of of the work we're doing around restorative practices, my sense is that there will be a correlation.
2: The obstacles young people have to deal with are real adult issues, things many grown-ups aren't good at either. Asking for help when you're struggling, managing your finances, weathering emotional storms, these are the tough parts of being human. But how much better could we all be at these things if we'd been practicing these skills when the stakes were lower? when we were kids. This is my opinion. Kids like Zachariah. Oh yeah, he's got one last piece of advice for all the school leaders out there.
3: I think every school should try it because Kip tried it and it ended up turning the school in basically to a comfortable, calm, happy place.
2: Thanks for listening to the Mindshift Podcast, a production of KQED Public Radio. If you appreciate hearing stories about real classrooms and real teachers, please take a minute to leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It sounds silly, but it helps other people find our show. MindShift is produced by me, Ki Sung, and Katrina Schwartz. Our editor is Jacob Conrad. Seth Samuel is our audio specialist. Our executive producers are Holly Kernan and Ethan Lindsay. Special thanks this week to Julia McAvoy for extra editing help. And to Rick Zappa, Savina Woodyard, Jermisha Robinson, Zachariah Parse, and all of the students and staff at the two KIPP schools I visited. And this is the last episode of Season 2, but we'll be back before you know it with more stories. Subscribe so you don't miss out on anything. Thanks for listening. See you next time.